Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? We all know what's happening. I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. That was my Citizens app. Oh, I guess the world is ending. Is it? Did you guys get that on yours? It just came up. World is ending. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to hide. Uh, huh. I guess that's that's it. I knew I would be notified on my Citizens app. So, the king chaos pig provoked and gave orders for an insurrection, a coup, to a hodgepodge bunch of uh, radicalized hate nerds and gamers, gun dorks, bullshit zealots cosplayers of the fascist ilk. Oh, yes, and Christians. This is where it was going. This was the parade he always wanted. It's ongoing as I'm doing this, because, you know, I do this the day before. Who the fuck knows what happened overnight? I'm recording this late afternoon on Wednesday. I'm not a news operation. I can't wait till tomorrow. But it's pretty clear what's happened, and it's pretty clear, you know, that we have a fairly large contingent of anti-American, fascistic people in this country who are politically naive and utterly misinformed and excited to believe whatever bullshit honors their self-victimized state. But I mean, there's no, I mean, I can't, what am I going to sit here there? I don't have any explanations. I knew this motherfucker wouldn't leave. I knew he wouldn't leave easily. And I knew that he would break the fucking country and the world before he left. I'm not saying that's good to know that. I've just been talking about it for months. But I got no explanation. All the explanations are out there. This was going to happen. This is a hodgepodge, but not without momentum fascistic movement within our country with a lot of followers and with a leader, our soon-to-be former president, and they're willing to take instructions 
to overthrow the capital of the United States by the president, who will soon be no longer president, but still the leader of uh, an American fascist movement. That's what's happening. There's no other way to look at it. But the radicalization of the army of unfuckable hate nerds, the gamers, the disenfranchised young men mostly, has been ongoing. Militia groups have been around for a long time. Christian evangelical fascists have been around for a long time. The sort of amalgamation of many of them under the banner of QAnon, which is an ever-evolving spigot of bullshit connecting the dots of history into something that uh, excites and uh, angers and drives the disenfranchised, the racists, the angry. So now what happens? I don't fucking know. I guess we'll see tomorrow. It's like, you know, today would have been a nice day to be like, congratulations. Congratulations. Congratulations to Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff for being elected senators of Georgia. An African-American pastor and a Jew are now the senators representing the state of Georgia. Now that's a nice arc, a nice repairing dating back to the civil rights movement that sort of really kind of legitimizes and lands that journey in a way of these two people and these two backgrounds. And it's also an amazing step in the correct direction politically and and on a human level. This would be the day for that. Congratulations. But no. How can we get people who want to believe in fantasy that drives them to violence, to racism, to anti-Semitism, to misogyny, to perhaps murder, to try to overtake the government, to take the Capitol and stop the Congress from doing its democratic work, the work of the people? How can we get the information correct once the brains are broken, when there's no barometer of truth? And when just the desire, the frenzy to believe becomes more important than what is being believed. It's been around since the beginning of people. Why is it raining? Why is my house on fire? Why did my wife die? Why did my husband die? Why is there so much pain and trouble in the world? God, explain it. Make it better, God. Who did this? What bigger force than me? People want to believe in things bigger than themselves and things that are fantastical in order to feel connected to something or to explain something. So once that valve or that portal or that gear in the brain is busted wide open and filled with fucking fascistic crap, what do you do? You storm the Capitol. Well, what do those of us who know the truth do? Be scared and hope there's more of us? I did not mention today on the show, I talked to uh, Stephen Lee Bruner. Not ring a bell. How about Thundercat? That's what he goes by. 
He's a bass player, singer, songwriter. He's worked a lot with uh, Kendrick Lamar, specifically on To Pimp a Butterfly. And he has uh, four solo records out. Great, amazing, transcendent musician. The most recent record is uh, called It Is What It Is. And that is nominated for a Grammy. And I talked to him today. Man, I wish people had something. I, I, the plague thing, too, is bearing down, certainly on us here in L.A. and on us everywhere. My mother got uh, shot one of the vaccine. I guess she waited a couple hours and had an appointment. She's in the age group there in Florida. So she's uh, on her way to at least a little bit of uh, uh, relief from the fear. Her sister already had the COVID, as did my uncle. But my mother and her boyfriend have not. And they were both inoculated with uh, the first shot, which is good. It's making me squirrely that uh, I know it's out there. I don't know when I can get it. And I know that it's everywhere where I live. It's everywhere here. The relief is so fleeting, man. It's just the relief is so fleeting. Uh, I appreciated President-elect Biden's comments. He did say it was seditious, probably, which it is. He did call it an insurrection, which it is. I'll add anti-American. You can add fascistic, too. But... He said, this isn't who we are. But you know what? I got to tell you, this is who some of us are. That is what it is. Some of us are fascists who seek single party rule and are brain fucked enough to other everyone, but people they see as within their belief system. And that violence can get awful, historically speaking. And we want to believe that it's a minority, and it is, but symbolically what the pig president did yesterday was signal quite clearly that he will remain their leader. We'll see where that goes. What happens now in the next two weeks? That guy should be thrown in fucking jail after all this sort of uh, projecting that they do, calling Antifa fascists, calling uh, liberal Democrats communists, calling everybody the names evil, he calls us, calls Democrats evil. They are the things that they are projecting. That's the most basic deflection of like a five-year-old. No, I'm not. You are. No, I'm not. You are. No, I'm not. You are. Why are you turning blue? Because my... Hands are around your throat. I'm not killing you. You are. Man. He should actually be in jail. He should uh, be forced out of office. Ted Cruz should resign. Senator Hawley should resign. They provoked this. They all fucking stood there and helped this along. Enabled it. Let it happen. Look, there's good and bad people everywhere, right? Know who they are. I hope when you hear this, things have leveled off a little bit. I can't really go on about it. I'm just a comedian, folks. But just know, there might be fascists in your family, and they're proud of it. And they let everybody know that yesterday. So, Thundercat is somebody I always wanted to talk to. I first saw him with Kamasi Washington, uh, at the Staples Center, I think, or the club at the Staples, Nokia, Club Nokia, I think is where I saw them. Uh, Kamasi had a broken leg, 
But uh, I was amazed by him, and I've I've listened to his solo records. I don't know everything he's done, but uh, I enjoyed the the album Drunk. I listened to some of his earlier albums, and then this new one is great. It's called It Is What It Is. It's nominated for the Best Progressive R&B Album Grammy, and you can get it wherever you get your music. This is me talking to Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get Get your podcasts. How you feeling? Hi. Hey. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is it a rough day already? You know. <laughs> Somehow the. Somehow between the internet and them showing Teen Titans in the morning, it's Teen Titans. I just can't. I don't know. That just I can't do it with this cartoon. It's the worst cartoon. No, I, well, yeah. I mean, you have choices around cartoons. You you don't have to watch them. True. So many subscriptions. <laughs> so many. What is Teen Titans? Is that an old one? I mean, it's a it's it's an old DC comic, but it's oh. also like a, I guess they Cartoon Network kind of like. They they that's their main cartoon. They rebooted just, it. Yeah, they rebooted it, and it's just been booted. That's what it feels like. It's just no good. It's been boot boot oriented for sure. I feel like I'm getting kicked in the stomach every time I watch it. Did you grow up with the comics? I mean, is that was that your thing? For sure, I'm a Marvel kid through and through. Like I I, I remember the day I started trading Marvel cards in middle school. Really? And uh, yeah, I mean, I was I was a collector of many different things, but Marvel cards was definitely like the beginning for me. You know? Um, did you watch the new Wonder Woman? Yes, I did. And <laughs> yeah, it goes right in line with this year. <laughs> it's, just, it's a great way to finish the year out. <laughs> D- disappointed. You know, the the funny thing is, I I like uh, I, uh, an old head. I went into a comic store one day, and this old head, the, the guy that worked there, was kind of like, he told me, he's like, hey man, you know, be open to stuff because it's like, you know, it's got to translate for the kids, it's got to travel the right. generations, it's got to go past what you know and all that stuff. And he, he was right. So there's a part of me that's always open to stuff, but as a Marvel, as a Marvel kid through it, like literally, I have a Marvel tattoo. I have a couple of Marvel cat, uh, tattoos. There's a part of me that was just kind of like. And I was like, I was watching it with my family, and I was, I felt bad because it was like, it was like almost like vomit. I kept booing in between moments, and it was like, I was like, oh, I hope nobody here is gonna get pissed. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't do it, man. I couldn't do it. I watched it, and I was just kind of like, meh. Did you see the first one? Yeah, I took my daughter to see the first one, and you like that yeah, one. I, you know what's funny too? I'll say this: 
I'll say there's something about it sucking so much more because not uh, because of not being able to go to a movie theater. Sure. So it's like sharing the experience with my daughter the first time. It was kind of like it was an experience. Right. It right, wasn't right. just about Wonder Woman, the the, the comic. It was kind of like you know I I could read between the lines with this movie, and I was like you know what it's it's a good thing. You know it's like. It's like my daughter, she, she vibed with it a bit, you know, even though my daughter usually listens to like Slipknot and right. <laughs> it's like, you know, she's, <laughs> yeah. she kind of, she had a vibe with it, you know? I, I don't like, I don't watch, I didn't grow up with the comics. I didn't read many comics till I was later in life and they were just like uh, Swamp Thing, Sandman, Hellblazer. Like I didn't grow up. That's the good stuff it. though. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I, and I don't know why I was in my thirties and I was like, this is the best. Um, nice. But I didn't grow up with with it or, or caring about it. Now, when I watch a Marvel movie, if I ever do, I, I'm always disappointed because I don't know. I'm not expecting anything, and I'm a grown up. So, it's- <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's an age old tale. I think. I think that there's always a hard, a hard thing for adaptation. It's like something that you. I said this to the, uh, another uh, comic store owner, friend of mine. I was like, there's something about the idea of fantasy when you when you solidify it or make it real that it just like dispels it for you you know it's like there's a part where even the pictures right you don't engage any of your own imagination you're just reacting to this thing whereas for some reason if you have the ability to contain you know contain a story that's written in panels which not everybody does that you don't yeah. really realize how much room there is in your imagination because these are just still panels. And you, after yeah. a certain point, you're not even paying that much attention to them. They're there just to provoke your imagination somehow. Exactly. That's exactly right. what happens. Right. So the relationship is a lot different than having it all done for you and then you know having to trust that person to do it for you. I mean, who the fuck is that person? You know? Like- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, I mean, like a couple of the moments I was kind of like seeing the superpowers in real life, you kind of go, Hey, I could, I could probably kick his ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that guy. Yeah, like, yeah, like I, I could probably beat him up. You know. Yeah, he's not scary. Yeah. <laughs> I guess for me, the the first one was good in ways that a lot of comic book people didn't like. Like, I like the ending. You know, like all the big weirdness of the ending. But they thought that was sort of like a, a sellout or something, or something kind of uh, overcompensating. I said, well, what are we working towards if it's not going to be something great like that? Yeah. Yeah, it's like it, there's so much to pull from with these stories. It's like it could it could afford to go anywhere, man. And you know, one thing I will say too is that one thing that's dope is that it highlights a uh, home guy, uh, the guy that also plays the Mandalorian. Uh, he was great. Yeah, he was the best thing about that movie. Yeah, he played a real creep. The great thing about his creep though was like he, it was an insecure creep, and you could see his insecurities from the get go. So you yeah. kind of had this weird empathy. You know, which makes him a more interesting evil guy because you're yeah. like, oh, he's just a insecure loser. He's like Trump. Yeah, he's just like a, the comb over and everything, right? Isn't... Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't have much empathy for Trump, but I mean, if you could, it would look like the Wonder Woman villain. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a huge Kristen Wiig fan, and it's She's it's great. always good to see her. You know what I mean? Like, I'm... yeah, I didn't understand that whole part. I guess you have to know the comic books for like why why turn her into an animal when there's no real precedent for that. Like out go. of nowhere. She's just an animal, yeah. and as a guy who doesn't know the comics, I was like, "Well, that's a weird choice." Yeah, cheated. I knew who that character was, but I was also just like, "It's a, it, again." It was one of those moments where I was like, "You know, it's kind of like it felt like just like it felt like a really bad cut and paste." <laughs> it was like, "Yeah, some of that like, stuff hey, looks really Wiggs bad. amazing." And here's Cheetah, and it was just yeah. like, "All right, well." You know what else I just watched? 
was I watched uh, that Frank Zappa documentary. Oh, nice. Did I, you watch it? Now I've been meaning to. I've been completely just sitting here, just sitting here staring at the sky and then like <laughs> watching Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a total anime nerd, man. I'm just like. Yeah. You know, through and through. So it's like it's the, the gist of this has been me sitting here tripping out watching hell anime. But like, well, I, hell, I've I been mean, meaning if, to. If fantasy works for you and it gives you relief, that's great. Like I, I don't, I don't have that. I, you know, I just have you know dread and uh, <laughs> existential <laughs> dread. <laughs> yeah, a lot of. And you wrote a song about that. Which album was that on? Was that on the new one? Existential that dread. That was the new one. That was yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, I could relate to that. I could relate to a, a lot of the songs. But uh, but I was watching like I talked to Bootsy a couple weeks ago, and then I watched a Zappa doc. Mm. So you know, talking about Parliament, and then watching you know what Zappa's trying to do, and then listening to some of the stuff you've done, and the first time. I saw you, I saw you with Kamasi when Kamasi had his broken leg and he was sitting in a throne uh, down at, <laughs> down at oh, Staples. Oh, yeah. It oh, was yeah, like, that. was that at the Staples? It was, uh, uh, I can't remember where we saw it, but he, you guys had been somewhere and he had to sit the, in that giant it, chair because he couldn't walk. It wasn't the Mayan. I, I don't think so. I feel like it was like you had just returned. It was in the small room at the Staples Center in the smaller lounge. Maybe it was... I mean, and and that was when I first saw you, and I was like, "How many strings are on that bass?" So, <laughs> <laughs> but I guess the point being is that you know my understanding of where music goes and what music can do, uh, it, it, it seems something that you're highly aware of, and there seems to be no real boundary to it. Yeah, no, it's 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 very open. It's, it's it, I blame it on how I was raised and. You know, I always feel like the the somewhere between the lines is where we exist with the stuff. So we got to always consistently blur those lines. You know. Yeah. Well, how what well, well, how does your upbringing relate? Well, um, quite literally. I mean, I <laughs> basically me and Kamasi and my brother and we kind of um, um, amongst other people, we kind of we were kind of born together, so to speak. Me and Kamasi's dad used to play together in high school or in college. And your stuff dad? Like that. Yeah, our parents and. And even uh, what was his instrument? Uh, Kamasi, my dad's my dad's instrument was uh, the drums. Kamasi's dad's a horn player, right? Uh, yeah, uh, Kamasi's dad is a, a a horn player. Yeah, and then also another one, another one like that is George Ann Muldrow. Like our parents grew up playing together, and they had us, and it was kind of like you know you got that that could go one of a couple of ways. You know, you got the kids that resents which because it's always being shoved down their right. throat. Or, yeah, but they right. It it actually translated otherwise. It turned into like you know it was it kind of passed down to us. So there's a part of it where we started taking it really serious at a really young age. Like at a very young age, we got a chance right, to right. with the with the likes of Reggie Andrews and and the Thelonious Monk Institute and 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 all these different you know things. As we were kids, were very um, it kind of cultivated our ability and then on top of that we were also doing stuff like playing in nightclubs and you know like i was the kid where you know i couldn't stand in front of or behind the club and then but i would come in to play and then they would kick me out and throw me down the street right you know like we were those yeah, kids yeah, yeah. and but anytime it was a chance anytime we got a chance to play and it was like we got a chance to grow we would we would take it but you would go see your folks you would see your your fathers play a lot oh yeah right? i mean would, you could go yeah to the rehearsal space or wherever yeah so like at that time like because like i don't i i've came you know i always kind of knew about jazz i listen to jazz a lot more now i've, I've broadened my collection a little bit yeah and um 
you know, I, tr- I, I can't wrap my brain around theory or anything like that. You know, I play guitar, but I don't read music or necessarily understand things about it, but I can listen to stuff. You know, I, I do, I have pretty adventurous ears, like stuff doesn't bother me no matter how weird it gets. Yeah. Um, so like when you're younger, I mean, what kind of jazz were, were you being brought up with really? Uh, everything from big band to, to, to jazz fusion to to straight ahead it was kind of all embedded we like growing up with reggie andrews was a it was kind of like you know everything from we would listen to 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 the to jazz in the mornings and he would always quiz us on you know it was kind of things where we would have to be able to tell who was playing by how they sounded yeah yeah so he was sitting listening to the radio and he it would be little little incentive things like that that he would reward us for he'd be like man who is this and he's like man that sound like that sound like ornette coleman or that sound like wayne shorter you know, you hear certain types of note selection and stuff like that, or certain and tone. And you can do you know, it. Yeah, you can for, tell for these guys, you most of them. Yeah, it was kind of how you know from that to like the types of standards we would learn. Like Kamasi's dad, we we, we would practice at Kamasi's dad's house uh, a lot, and Cameron uh, Cameron Graves is another one. We would practice at their parents' house, and um, um, you know, Kamasi's dad would give Kamasi like a task or give us a task to write a tune or learn a tune a day. Yeah, you know, take you know, if you're gonna sit back here and play, it's cool to be playing, but like, challenge yourself with learning something new, and it's gonna right. it, it skews and offsets the comfortability of how you know all that kind of stuff, and then from that to like, you know, we would compete in like the John Coltrane Jazz Awards and stuff like that. We would do all kinds of stuff, and we would just be That's involved. That's an exercise. Yeah, it was like it was a constant learning, constant learning. Even when you're like sleeping, it was learning. It was we, me and Kamasi. When I remember the day Amoeba. I remember the day Amoeba set up and became a reality and me and Kamasi used to live there like Kamasi would go to UCLA or you know him and Cameron would be in school and then after they get out of school or when they would be on break they come back to their you know they stayed in a, a spot at one point and we would just go get in the yeah. car buy a burrito and go to Amoeba and spend like five hours there and come out with this sea of music and like it, it's just, we'd be sitting in the car eating burritos listening to like some new Tchaikovsky or some some you know like what <laughs> yeah. is this okay you know just it, examining stuff like that and, and trying to listen with bigger ears you know so it was all uh, it was all music and Marvel for you. Oh yeah, man. That's in in anime, music, Marvel, and anime. And <laughs> yeah. that was when I say that's to this day. It's kind of like that's what everybody is always up against with me. <laughs> Where it's just like in my in my most profound moment, I will still make a Dragon Ball reference. <laughs> it's just, you know, yeah. it's, it's embedded in me, man. I, I think that's maybe that's some of the stuff that I don't quite understand on some of the records was our references to things that I don't know about. Yeah, no, it's Dragon it's, Ball. Dragon Ball is life. That's that's what it is. You know, Dragon Ball is what life. is it? It's one of the best cartoons ever created in the history of cartooning. It's like you got Mickey Mouse. You know, you got Gundam. You know, you got Marvel. You got. I mean, I'm, not, I'm you know, I'm not going to fully be a hater. I'm going to say for most for Gundam, some, it's DC. Gundam is that the. Is that the Western with the with the with the Sensi? No, no, no. You got Gundam is a Japanese cartoon that's uh it's just giant robo. It's kinda like in the earlier oh, okay. years of Giant Robo, there's yeah, a lot yeah, of different yeah. giant robo. But yeah. um you know, you got all these different things. You got Hello Kitty from Japan, you got all this stuff, but Dragon Ball sure, and Dragon sure. Ball Z and now Dragon Ball Super, skipping Dragon Ball G T, it's like it's kind of like this it's the story of this it's basically following this this alien kid as he's growing and watching him learn how to be human 
It's kind of it's it's got uh-huh. a lot of parallels to like stuff that we recognize like a Superman or like a you sure. know or, or or just a you know uh, the X Men and stuff like that. It's like he's an alien. What's the matter with GT? GT, I don't know, man. GT just felt really just. It felt like neither here nor there. There was some good stuff in it, you know, certain moments, but it felt like it felt like the trope of as compared to the feeling or the quality of Dragon Ball Z. So you would see, you know, like certain certain o- obstacles Goku and, and the guys had to overcome in Z were like really like you could feel it. You know, Goku would die and like they have to wish him back and then they only had this one. You know, they can only wish certain people back. So just executive decisions would have to be made about who they bring back. And Goku comes back right. 10 times powerful. He's been traveling in astral and it's like he's been doing all kinds of stuff. So the story of Goku from a boy starts at Dragon Ball and then Dragon Ball Z is him as a man. And then Dragon Ball GT is just him after listening to Flock of Seagulls or something. I don't know. And then wow. And then Dragon Ball Super is him as a god, you know. And it's 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 got a bit of a. But you just you explain it to me, and it's like you know, even if I'm interested, it feels like it would take a lifetime for me to (laughs) to take (laughs) to catch up. (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. I mean, well, you know, there's there's a there's Cliff's Notes versions of it, and the truth is the manga. The manga is where it started as, and if you were into reading like that, I mean, if you wanted to check out Dragon Ball, it's yeah. it's always available. It's like it's it's almost no, it's like Batman. It's like it's a common. There's a good right, right, you could right. pick up yeah, at yeah. different points, and it would still be like, oh, I get it. Okay, oh, yeah, oh, that's oh, Dragon Ball Z. That's good. Okay, well, how did this? When you look at that, when you think, do you have a whole room in your house full of vinyl and one full of comic books? I mean, do you? It's all in the same space. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Is like I, it's all not separated. It's all vinyls, comics, video games, toys. It's just here. Right. Looks like Nakano Broadway in here. Well, when when you think about it, do you feel that you know somehow or another whatever your love for comic and fantasy uh, planted in you influenced the music or your ability to 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 see music differently? Yeah, man. Um, the, the cartoons. I'm I'm not gonna lie. The cartoons inspire. The music it's like it did like everything naruto and cartoons like naruto and, and cowboy bebop and dragon ball z they inspire me to push harder like to know that there's a there is more there you just have to push harder like it's always anytime i've ever watched naruto like uh it made me feel like i can be a better person like anytime i would watch it i immediately would start doing push-ups or like you know or oh, like really? you know yeah like I, I i spent most of this year and like as we're talking about this year and i mean I, there was a giant weight loss that happened for me and yeah you look uh, you look lean i remember when i saw you at kamasi you were uh heavier kind of bulbous yeah um bulbous well, with your big I, bass with five <laughs> strings <laughs> yeah it's like it's one of those things where or a six. lot of stuff was it six strings or five six strings six strings a lot of things, but but every now and again, you can definitely catch me playing a five too. It's like uh, it's one of those things where I, a lot of things had changed rapidly uh, on the on the the death of one of my best friends and also the loss of like a person I was really in love with. It was it became really difficult, so I went through a weird moment of being depressed for real, for real. And this was uh, this was like this year. So you had some. Uh, it some started loss. a couple years. This started a couple years back. And so you know oh, your your friend died and and uh, someone you were in love with died. No, they didn't die. They just left me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> both of them are are the, are the one passed away and one left you. Yeah, and it was kind of consecutive, and it was like 
Ugh. It's like it started Grief back is then. The worst, and, man. And I Grief like uh, yeah. And, and when Mac passed personally, it changed oh, my Mac, life. Oh, Mac, that's right, right. Yeah, Mac Miller. It, yeah, yeah. And um, I think from that time period till now, a lot of changes drastically happened that would result in me physically changing. So I became vegan and I stopped drinking. Um, because it's basically like I, I feel like I had seen too much, you know. Well, I mean, I noticed that with the, you know going through all the records, you know, from Apocalypse forward, that you know that you you know when you talk from the first person, it's interesting. There's there's a style of uh, of songwriting that like I noticed a little more in jazz. Like I was listening to um, uh, Horace Silver's latest later albums where he incorporated you know, vocals and stuff. That, yeah. You know, he had brought in people. And, you know, there is a type of earnest sort of presentation in in some of that more experimental jazz singing where, you know, no one's looking for hooks, but it's more philosophical and more straightforward, you know? Hmm. And it's not, you know, it, it's not based on rhyme or, or anything other than ideas, right? So there's some of the stuff that I was listening to and I was like, there were points in the work where I was thinking that, is he writing from the first person or is he creating a character here? Because if he's writing from the first person, this guy's uh, heading for a wall. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and so is life, right? There you go. All right. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, no, it's, it, it seems like you, you're drinking too much and you, you got a heavy heart and you're, you're too uh, sensitive and you, you, you get in trouble in Japan. That's what I, I, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is quite literal, sir. This that is, that's, that is me in real life. Yes. Well, that's good that you pulled it together, man. But it's all in there. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're pretty honest in your work. You know, once I get past the the sort of, you know, the music, which is great, but just listening to you. So it was it was because uh, you worked with Mac Miller a bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was one of my best friends. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah. It's hard, man. You know, it's so w w did you see the struggle with drugs with him? Yeah. I was there for the, the most part of that. Yeah. And that and that and and that was a wake up call for you in the midst of the grief where you realized that, you know, even if you weren't doing the same drugs that perhaps you know, you were increasing your odds of uh of uh of a uh, of mortality. Yeah. Yeah. I um I mean, I mean, I, I, I really hate that it, it took, I hate that it took that when I look back in hindsight, you know, but uh -huh. it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I just, something, something had to give. Right. You know? And, right. Uh, and, yeah. I, and you don't want it to be your, your mind or your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know, you, and it you, seems like you either get the lesson or you get out right. of here. For sure. One way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. But uh well I'm glad that you you chose the the art and the uh faith and the uh the uh, decision to change the life, find some hope. Yeah. You know, watch a lot of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so in, in but what about the work? I mean, is the album it is what it is, the processing of that? Yeah. Yeah. It was like uh I think it was like, you know, somewhere between real life. It's like, you know, again, like we we're saying, sometimes stuff with me can be a bit literal. And um, yeah, that was that was me processing it. 
that was the change yeah. happening and yeah um it just was kind of it's it's again it's like uh looking back on it it was really it was a bit traumatizing it was a bit um emotionally traumatizing at least um it's terrible man and it's like it's like i you know i went through something this year just terrible and and there's nothing you know when you lose somebody uh and your heart breaks you know both you know like however you lose people it's heartbreaking and you get to a point you know i'm older than you where you're like you know i don't know how much of this shit i can take you know how yeah. much are we built are we built to handle this i don't know if i could do another one of these yeah. you know and and when it when it's death then you know because that's a surprising one then you're like well shit they, you know there's no avoiding this and we're all going to deal with this grief if we if we live long enough one way or the other yeah. but if it's people leaving or you leaving then it's like man i don't have to do this again like it it's as my buddy brendan said you know you sort of earn your stripes as a human when you process this shit without you know destroying yourself there you go yeah i i wholeheartedly agree with that you know you know, and it's you know it's 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 never easy, but you don't realize that you know like you don't realize it's it's always like you have to it's gonna cons- you know the consistent having to overcome and trying to like oh yeah be able to still walk straight after somebody hits you in the side of the head with a glass bottle you know it's like it's yeah. it's a lot it's a lot man and um, did the work help did I mean did when you when you were doing the music did it help um. I mean, I remember it's 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 always music has always been a bit therapeutic and a bit like it's it, it becomes that. But I think in this moment, it really was it was like overwhelmingly painful. So getting if I didn't have Flying Lotus there with me and he's always been there with me, like I always talk about him. But it's the truth. If Flying Lotus wasn't there with me to help me see me through some of these moments, I it just would be me uh, tail spinning you know and yeah he's a good friend huh yeah yeah it's genuinely like beyond the music even though every i mean people like i always say when i when i refer to him i always say people can hear our relationship in the music but yeah beyond the music it's one of these things where it's like i don't know he's just always i feel like he's always cared for me you know yeah and and it's important when you're in the grief yeah in, in those moments he's 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 kind of, you know, he made he he would help me be able to stay standing straight when stuff would right. wallop me on the side of the head like that, you know. Right, yeah, to hold you up in a way, you know, to to get you like because like when uh my when my girlfriend passed away in May, you know, I got a friend who uh you know he just started calling me and we talk every fucking night, man, you know, for you know even now. Yeah. Like, you know, right right from the get-go. And it was just sort of like, it's grounding. Because if you're just left to sit in it and you don't got no love coming your way in the form of just a guy going like, what's going on? What'd you do? What'd you eat? You know, uh, what have you been thinking about? You read a thing, you know, whatever. Just to be like, ugh, get me, you know, out of it, you know, yeah. for a minute, right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. And then Flying Lotus, so like, that guy's a genius. You're a genius. So like, you know, you're swirling around in the possibilities, you know, I, I imagine that outside of the friendship, you're like, well, let's let's let, let's get into this thing. What's that thing you were working on? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lotus can keep me focused, man. He really can. What's that guy's background? Because I talked to Anderson Pack about him, and then I went on a little spin with uh, some of his work. And I knew, like, before I knew you guys were buddies or worked together, like a couple of days ago, when I was I knew I was going to talk to you. I'm like, he's got to be with Flying Lotus because. 
the the groove is sort of similar where you guys are going yeah so that you kind of inform each other huh yeah yeah that's how i i uh, i mean i i you know, like, you know, you re- there's a moment where you see stuff in weird shades and gradients. I still remember vividly meeting him at South by Southwest. I remember oh, what really? he was wearing. I remember his sentiment. I remember the necklace. I remember. <laughs> I remember the shoes. I remember how hot it was. And it was like it's it was it was one of the greatest moments. You know, not knowing like unbeknownst to both of us, it was kind of like it was kind of those things like man, we should hang out. And it was like we should definitely hang out. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it just it, you know like life changes and the different growth and did you you know and did you know his work before you met him? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We both yeah. we both knew of each other's work to a, to a. I mean, I feel like he. I was a little bit more spotty back in the day. It wasn't. I didn't have albums. It wasn't something that was like solidified like that until I signed a, a Brain Feeder Records. But uh huh. Me and he knew of my work by way of like the different things like Sara Creative Partners and Erica Badu and different uh, of different people that I would work with and he was you know it's like uh, we both knew that there was something that you know it was like yeah man and I was a very big fan of his work of course you know you know um, yeah this man is the sound of Los Angeles you know and, yeah um, I, it's 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 like it's interesting when I enter the world that you guys live in musically because it's not really my world and when I go in there I realize a couple of things like well this is amazing and deep and broad and uh and i you know i I, where the fuck am i living do you know like like, this is happening all the time (laughs) and i every once in a while i walk into it i'm like holy shit there's a whole other planet here you know and i (laughs) you know because all you guys kind of you know like the world of 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 him flying lotus and you and kamasi and kendrick and like there's a whole like um, amalgamation of different styles of music sort of constantly coming together among the crew that you guys are are seem to be with yeah no at, at any given moment you know we'll get together and and something something comes of it you know it's just i think that's just kind of a somewhere between like you know that's like the i don't want to say byproduct of the environment but as compared to just right. that's the it's it's somewhere between the actual relations and relationships that you have with each other yeah. and there's no way it's not going to translate musically right. you know it's going to it's because music is the way we communicate it's like there's right. a part of it where it's it's embedded in there you know it's like you know you're looking for a chance to oh let me accentuate you know you're like you're kind of like okay let me see if i can challenge let me challenge this a bit or like oh let me uh you know it's like we're constantly tinkering with each other's stuff you know and well it's interesting to me like like you guys like you and kamasi like come on like when i first heard epic you know i talked to him years ago you know we he talked to me and I like, you know, I, I heard Epic and I'm like, holy shit, man, the production on this is insane. And then I realized, you know, when you guys play, when I saw you play live, that like you're you're playing live. Like, you know, all that stuff is not you're not doing tracks, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, holy shit, you know, he's got the choral group there, he's got the strings over here, he's got his dad, and he's got you and another guy on bass. There's two keyboards. Like I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Two drummers, <laughs> you know, like anyway. But you gotta imagine that happening. being. Wait, you want to hear something funny? You gotta imagine that in a small nightclub, off of Crenshaw Boulevard, like a whole entire without the without the orchestra and the strings, but the whole yeah. band hanging out and trying to play at like Fifth Street Dicks or <laughs> Lamert Park or a or a Doughboys yeah. Dozens. We'd be hanging out the side of the club. <laughs> Half oh, the band man. would be outside the club. <laughs> 
Oh my god! That might just be some of the funniest moments. You know, you got Cameron, Brandon playing, and me and Miles, and you know, <laughs> Isaac and and Terrence Kamasi. Everybody, we would we would just be playing, <laughs> and the half there wouldn't. It was like, man, there doesn't really need to be an audience because we're the audience. <laughs> so many club. of you, yeah, half the club would be the band. <laughs> hey, a little small coffee house, There's like fifteen band members. Yeah. Like, who's getting paid from this? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, it's, <laughs> hey, pay us in coffee and sandwiches. But that's what that was the that was the uh, the kind of the the uh, the the primal soup of the thing, right? I yeah, mean, that's where that it was all us. That's who we were, you know. But like, but what I, my point was like when I listened to Epic, I was like, this is groundbreaking, and it is. But but then I listened to Mingus, uh, um, and I'm like, oh well, they're. That choral thing's sort of a precedent, you know. That I mean, that's been around, yeah. right? So you know, I started to put that stuff together, and then when I listen to you, like, there's definitely like, you know, there's a Kamasi jazz, and then there's you know what you're doing is a little different in your own way, right? Your your approach is more fusion oriented, where Kamasi's like pretty much he's traditional um, hard bop, bebop, like he's coming from a different place in a way. Yeah, absolutely. It's all in, it's all embedded in there, you know. Yeah, our, of course. Our first album together we recorded as the Young Jazz Giants when we were kids. It was just you know, it was kind of like we would try to you know incorporate everything that everybody was into, you know. And it's like there's a right. I'm I'm playing upright on the album. I'm like the, there's a song called Steven's Song where we like, where it's kind of like you know my it was me on electric bass, you know. And then there's like this giant drum solo at the end, and then. And then Cameron, and then you know, it's it's it. Cameron's in, insanely gifted piano playing. Um, one person I feel like I don't talk about enough is Cameron Graves. To be honest with you, Cameron, and it, it's just uh, growing up with a Cameron Graves was also was a it was a really big deal. Between Cameron and Kamasi, they were always teaching me. You know, they were always showing yeah. me, showing me how to play through what they would be processing and like oh this is the these scales go with this this is what fits here like they would be from that to like ah oh, nah man you know like the the repetition the part where i learned the repetition was growing up with cameron graves i would right. watch a guy sit and practice piano for nine hours a day growing up wow. literally we could be having a conversation it wouldn't matter he had the metronome on he'd be chewing his tongue and going through the scales while you trying to sit here and play resident evil and, you know and then he'd get up and play some resident <laughs> evil you know, and then go right back to playing. You know, it's just it was that's that was my upbringing. You know, and I was very fortunate, very fortunate to have Cameron and Kamasi and my older brother as teachers. You know what I mean? And what like early on, you know, outside of those guys, you know, and and living in the the sort of world of jazz all the time. I mean, what who were the who were the people, the artists that really kind of connected with you early on, where you were like that? You know, like I want to play bass. I want to play bass like that. Or, you know, I get it now. It was definitely, definitely Jocko and Stanley. No, Stanley Clark, right. Jocko and Stanley, like, in, in it, again, again, of course, the introduction is to Jocko uh, around the age of, I'm around 10 or so, and the same thing with Stanley. Yeah. I was of a certain age, and then, you know, it's one of those things where I, 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 um, I had many different moments. I remember everybody would always talk to me about different you know different cats growing up you know again ray brown and you know mingus of course and stuff like that and right then, then i would you know um, um, 
Ron Carter, of course, and, and Miroslav Vitus. Like, but it's funny because I think that the place that it lies specifically for me was in the jazz fusion era because there was everything in being embodied in those moments from upright to electric. And yeah. I felt like in that moment, as a transitional part of the music, I think there was somewhere where I knew that there was a place for me that existed. You know what I mean? It's like there's a part of it where it's yeah. like, oh, as a bassist, being able to do all of that. You know, like some like sure. this is this is okay. This you can do. Th- it was like almost like being introduced to what this is what you can do with your instrument. Right. Right. You know. Right. Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah, because like you know, because of the way you grew up, you realized on some level that there were limitations to traditional jazz. Right. So yeah. I imagine you know getting hip to Stanley Clark or Jocko, you started to like the departure from upright yeah. to like almost any possibility at all. Yeah, yeah. And then one key, one two other important ones are Anthony Jackson and Paul Jackson. Anthony Jackson like changed my sense of melody and harmony tremendously. You know. Um, it's kind of like one of those things where all, I mean, there's only a few bass players that I would always say I wanted to be like growing up. It was definitely Stanley and Jocko, and it was yeah. Anthony Jackson. Anthony Jackson right. and Paul Jackson. And Anthony Jackson played electric, you know. I mean, I'd have my favorites, Eddie Gomez and Charlie Hayden and stuff like that. I was very aware of different, you know, cats growing up. But Anthony Jackson's relation to melody and how often he would be able to how how effortlessly he would change the course of music from the simplest place it just always was like i want to be able to do that i was like i want to be able to do that i want to it was like you could hear him talking under the music it was crazy well that's what i guess that's what that's the uh opportunity that bass gives you is that you can just sort of like almost quietly change everything yeah <laughs> like <laughs> you know. yeah yeah you know, it's like, where are we now? And I, I don't know. The bass player just did something, and we're in a different place entirely. There you right? go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always always feel like, and we, you know, we always say, you know, oh, lead singers and guitarists, you know, oh, sure, sure. You're like, we know, we know deep down bass players around the world. <laughs> they do. They do. The rhythm section runs the world, really, right? Yes, yes. And I, I don't understand that relationship with the, like, you know, I learned about it later in life, just like listening to rock music, that... You know that if the rhythm section isn't tight, you're the whole the whole project's a, a, a mess. Yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't drive a Lamborghini with a donut. I mean, yeah, you don't have true, your wheels man. aligned properly. Yeah, but where do you put like people like like you know? I I have to assume only because I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago that Bootsy is important. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. And yeah. to be honest with you, like. The comp man, man, oh man, and it's like again, uh, can like Bootsy and Bernie Worrell to me, yeah. that was also who I wanted to be like. Well, I hear it like all through your records, like there's like you know because you know you get a groove and you're not you don't you don't you're not concerned with hooks, you know you're kind of concerned about you know movement, but everyone like there's that Bernie Worrell style synthesizer just pop in occasionally, like Wee! yeah, and you're like oh okay, there's a reminder, it's yes. like of something, yeah. you know, an was... intergalactic reminder. Yeah, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Bootsy and Bernie, man, it's just it's it's. And it's it's like somewhere between being able to vacillate between roles as 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 the instrument is always like 
leaned on or it always has like this heavy anchor trying to find the ways that it like can also become texture can also become progressive uh, progression it could also become you know uh, percussive you know like finding those places yeah because like i i noticed that like you know if you lay a couple of bass tracks down because i noticed that yesterday i might have it might be on the new record where you know you're kind of you know doing something very upfront with the bass as a you know a single voice almost where you know this is the bass singing here up front but then all of a sudden like a different bass will you know drop that bottom beat you know you know as a percussion but yeah. you're still on top of it with the other one or who, however you're working that. And then you really kind of illustrate what you're talking about, the two differences to, you know, the approach and the possibilities of bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Bootsy, like what struck me about him talking to him is like out of nowhere on this last record, this new one that he did, The One, you know, you know, he's playing with George Benson. And I'm like, George Benson? Really? Yeah. And then like, you, <laughs> but then you, you know, you got Kenny Loggins, you got Michael McDonald, but you've got this respect you know, coming through fusion in the seventies for these cats that like in my youth, I might've found a little boring. Right. So like George Benson, <laughs> you know, George Benson's all right. You know, I know him from the hits when I was a kid, yeah. but, you know, Bootsy's like, I always wanted to play with George Benson. And I'm like, really? But oh, George you guys, can rip, man. I know he's great. Yeah. I, I mean, I, but I judged because of my association, you know, I'm, I'm, it's hard for me to sort of adapt to fusion, dude. I don't know why. Like out of all the jazz styles, it's hard for me. And yeah. I think that I think one of the reasons is because there is a, a kind of softness to it. And I, you know, I require anxiety. And <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I need I, I need the jazz to have a riddling effect on my own trip. Like I need I hear you. You do. Okay. Yes. But but listening to you or listening to Lotus that like, you know, if you want to go on the ocean and, you know, just, you know, take that journey, you know, it's, it's here for you. You know, if you want to be in a fucking storm, then, you know, go live there. But right. you, you have this, uh, <laughs> right? right, right. I hear you. Does that make I sense? That makes total sense, man. I'm like, I don't know. And I go like this. They, well, here you go. That's where uh, enter George Duke and Frank Zappa. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, right. Yeah, man. Right? Because like that stuff, like you listen to the production on that shit and there's there's no way it's it's not going to be hard on you. It's not going to be harsh, no matter what Frank's doing. The way yeah. that they put that stuff together, you know, stuff that is pretty aggressively dissonant and challenging, yeah. but still there's there's such a ring to it. You're like, I'm, I'm okay with this. It's not making me aggravated. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was it like, you know, it, I guess Jaco and Stanley would do it because that seems to be, you know, where you prefer to live is in that kind of, you know, starting with that fusion foundation. Yeah, man, uh, it's, I don't know, because it's like, um, I think it's important. I think it's important, yeah. man. On in, to, to, to a major degree, like the, the ability and prowess of the instruments, you know, like your physical ability, it's like, it's important. It's just yeah. as important, you know? And um, I feel like there's a lot of, I mean, and like I said, I always am a firm believer in the idea of somewhere in between, you know, like finding where it's almost like it's no different than a, a marriage or a or um 
love for something you know it's like the hard work right. as compared to the feelings and stuff like that and trying to understand how to balance those things it's it's literally always somewhere in between i think the same and when it comes to the music i think like okay be able to have that but then also be able to pull back but then also be able to you know like intensify and and right have something to say you know it's it's a it's imperative and um and also structurally like because of the way you've set up how you conceive of albums and music like you've really set up a situation where you can do whatever you want you know for like you know you have 30 second 40 second two minute pieces but you can move through any any sound you want i mean well you know one of my one of my favorite things is i always say you know like DRI can do a twenty minute, se- a twenty second song, and nobody will bat an eyelash to it. You know? Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like that's all in there. I'm like, you know what? That's sometimes that's all you have to say. You know, it's like right. sometimes that one moment is it, and it's not right meant to be anything. Why not know? let it be its own thing? I think those moments are just just as important. You know? Yeah, and let's. You've probably gone over this before, but like, talk to me about. Because it seems like you and Kamasi and whatever you guys, you know, how that all came together with Kendrick onto Pimp a Butterfly, that there was something fundamental about, like, I now know the evolution out of, you know, jazz into hip hop, into rap. Like, I watched a, a documentary on the Blue Note, on the, you know, on Blue Note Records, and I never put it together quite like that. And now I kind of get that. But it seems to me that when you guys did that album, that you would really sort of discover the the kind of the the perfect symbiosis symbiosis between jazz and 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 rap. Do you hmm. feel that 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 something was that like because of I guess Kendrick's sensitivity to you know what you guys were doing or I don't know if he grew up with you guys that you created something um, I would say almost totally original with that record because of the jazz element. Yeah, man that that album. It was the definition of a perfect storm, you know? Yeah, how'd that happen? Uh, man, you got, you know, you, you it's 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 the snapshot of everything that was literally happening at happening at the time. Um I mean, every I mean, again, not, not if we were going to keep it musically. Yeah. It's one of those things where everybody's mind and heart was open in that one moment right. to trying to push into something new. Uh-huh. And um, the way he would go about bringing that about, you know, it's like sometimes it's like the part where, yeah, you got to get us all in the room together sometimes, you know, that's definitely a part yeah. of it. You know, you know, everybody's, everybody, um, along with their heart and mind being in the same place, it's like uh, physically with the instruments and stuff like that, you know, we were spending a lot of time in different ways and stuff like that. You know, Kamasi, me and Kamasi are always on tour in our own worlds and stuff like that. And yeah. At, at this point i'm writing music like every day and get on the computer and you know i'm digging around up here and you know digging right. around over here and yeah and and um it's a bit like you know it was kind of like everybody brought their best to that moment i think you know this is and did you guys is, know kendrick did you grow up with him um not as not as not in the same way that i grew up with with the Kamasi, uh, I didn't. I didn't know Kendrick as a kid, no. But um, in the process of working, he reminded me, or let me know the first time that he, you know, he got a chance to interact with me. And it was like I think I was playing with this group, Jay Davy, and him and his group, I think Black Hippie, opened for Jay Davy at one point. Uh-huh. And he expressed to me how he remembers seeing me play with him, 
and I think I had met him, and that was again years prior to to Pimp a Butterfly coming out, of course. Yeah, I I mean for me it was hard for me to remember too because again I you know mentally I'd be in different places back then, of course, you know. But, sure. Um, you know, it was crazy because it's one of those moments where it's. I think that this was a moment where he he just wanted to bring me in to what it was, I guess, a bit. And I'm happy he did. You know, I'm very happy he did. And, and it was all, it was open, right? So, like, because it seems to me that that generally is not like you and Kamasi had a shorthand, and you know, and you were, you know, you were all. It, it seemed like the the creative convergence was not was not that common in that world in in the sense that using real instruments and whatnot is that yeah true? no we we again this is years and years of us having played together so it's like it's one of those things where if right. you know you get us in a room it's not going to not happen you know it's like it's 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 that's what we've spent our <laughs> yeah, life yeah. doing so it's like you know even if we hadn't seen each other in ages or like i was saying kamasi being on tour right. i being on tour or, you know miles doing his thing or, or however this translates it's like you know, it's you know we would learn we we've known each other's music since we were kids. So you know, you start playing a tune and you're like, oh, I remember that tune, or like, you know, you know, right, you know, and it and Kendrick was just open to it because he knew what you guys were capable. Yeah, of. Yeah, or he would he would take elements of it and like you know you know you know he'd place it or he'd find places for it. Yeah, right, right, right. So what is the what's your relationship with Japan, man? You know, it definitely st- again it started when I was a kid. Uh, it definitely started uh, early on, you know. I, I uh, through anime. It was definitely anime for sure. Definitely anime for sure. Realizing realizing how much stuff was anime as a kid. I always talk about it where it's kind of like yeah, you know, all of our cartoons from like He Man to to Silverhawks to you know the Mighty Orbots to the Transformers to Thundercats. Those were all Japanese animators. You know, Shira, Princess of Power, freaking, uh, uh, what's the other one? Jim and the Holograms. That's all. That's so. We're already we were already being fed that, and then on top of that, my I, my first introduction to Dragon Ball Z was a wrist uh, a bracelet that I got at a dentist office, and I remember it because I also uh, I don't talk about it as much, but I um, I also illustrate. I'm also an illustrator, and. It started back then for me. I was kind of like intrigued with the with the shapes of the figures and stuff like that. And then from there, yeah. from that moment, um, again, it's like it's 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 so embedded in 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 interweaved and stuff. You know, I was there when Pokemon was incepted. You know, it's kind of like the the you inception in of Pokemon cards, huh? Were you there in Japan? It, no, I mean, no, no. Like I mean, the introduction of the Pokemon sure. to, uh, as a yeah. kid. I was one of those kids yeah. from that to right. realizing the Power Rangers was a Japanese franchise. You know, like all of that was like it would just be swirling around, and at different points you'd tap in and be like, "Oh wow, of course that's Japan." You're like, oh, that's Japan, and then you get older and you're like, "Of course it's Japan," and then right. you know, um, they're jazz heads too over there. Too, oh, right? for sure, and- for sure, and. uh yeah, you see the connection. You see the connection. Yeah, and but do you and, uh, go over there? Do you spend time there? Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, it's been. It's kind of like, it's my happy place. To be honest with you, I go there. Yeah, and, yeah. I go there and just completely turn into a Japanese schoolgirl, and then, yeah, no, that for one real. Tune, the, the one that uh, the Tokyo. What album's that on Tokyo? That's on Drunk, I think. Oh man, that sounds like a pretty pretty good night. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> restless nights in Tokyo, man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've had some wild moments in Tokyo. 
<laughs> oh god. Oh my god. But it's it's like um so all of that kind of going in and around and then like you know I, my first introduction to anime was uh like when cognizant introduction to anime i used to the one job i ever worked was at a comic store called Co- collector's paradise and it was what it was my summer job when i when Where's i that? that's got, here right yeah collector's paradise i'm pretty sure it's all around the states oh, um okay. yeah and uh i worked there when i was around between the age of 10 and 14 or something like that you know when my grades were really good and i didn't have anything to do in the summer and I wasn't practicing. I wouldn't practice 24 hours a day. So my dad was like, you got to get out and do something. So I would go work at the comic <laughs> store. Yeah, I, was, I would work at the comic store and they would ha- like let me bag and board comics and I yeah. had to make sure the displays were right and make sure kids right. weren't stealing stuff, you know. They would have to make sure I wasn't stealing stuff. And then, um, but like one of the first things I remember they got when they got a TV in the, in the, uh, in the, in the store, and they would play like you know old crazy Korean horror films, and they would play anime. Yeah. And I remember seeing Fist of the North Star and Street Fighter first, and I remember Street Fighter was so cool as an anime. I was like, I was like, whoa, this looks insane. These characters, this is insane. And I remember maybe maybe somebody in the store was like, oh, you like anime? And I was like, you know, oh okay that's that's what this is and then here comes the flood of pokemon dragon ball z and all this other stuff and i'm just like oh my god i love anime you know so, so and they I saw just, you and then you became anime radicalized yeah man and i've been the same ever since quite literally <laughs> it's so funny that like those moments were like i imagine that it was similar when you first heard jocko where you just sort of like yeah. what yeah it was like it, it 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 put me on my put me on my ass you know it was kind of like whoa you know, and yeah. again, as an illustrator or, you know, um, uh, something I, I do wish I went to school for illustration because it's like that's the I've been drawing just as long as I played bass. But and I but I just don't have as much discipline in it. Um, It's one of those things where it's like I the and the illustrator in me and like the that part, of it would be like, oh, my gosh, like, oh, you know, like. Like, man, like it was just the yeah. color. It was just it was it yeah. was a. Uh, it was intense, you know. Yeah, I get it. It's all loaded up. There's a there's a whole like the 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 style of anime, even though it's not my thing or I don't know enough about it. It the it, it it definitely has um, it seems a, a bit more sort of uh, sexual than just regular Marvel stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I feel like in 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 anime a lot of the times they don't they don't limit it to. Uh, you know this whole idea that it's a child's thing. It's kind of a thing yeah. where it's like, nah, this is this is an adult and child world and it's like just like in reality like these this is also reality you know and did you get sucked into the reddits and stuff into the communities around anime because that seems to have gone kind of bad <laughs> yeah no no i just i would just watch cartoons that's, that's literally okay. like i would just be watching cartoons not like i'm not one of those guys that did, likes to discuss it unless it's with another anime nerd you know where it's like you right, know right. <laughs> Like so, this Grammy nom the Grammy nomination is um how do, do you are you excited? You must be excited. It's pretty trippy, man. Like I I you know I'm excited. I'm definitely like tripped out. I'm kind of like, whoa, you know, like cool. What is the category? Uh, progressive R and B, I think. What what now? Who who else is in that category? Janae Aiko, Chloe and Halle. Janae Aiko, Chloe Halle, the Free Nationals. Um, I, I, Isn't that I'm, wild I'm, though? Like you know, you can't like it, that. You've got there's a whole 
group of you in your own different ways that have sort of entered this uncharted territory of music where they, you know, like even you can't label it. You know, it's it's kind of interesting. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm really excited that again it's like it's all family in there, you know, for the most part. The free nats, like yeah. those are my bros, like for real, for real. And so is Janae. Janae is like she's like family, you know. Oh, right, right, sure, of course. And be, I guess Beyonce has been nominated in that category before. Word. Okay, there you so, go. So it's a little more so it's not it's not like it's out of the mainstream, you know, in in a, in a sense. Right, you know? right. It's 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 yeah, yeah. it still meets it meets, you know. Well, I wish you all the luck, man. It was great talking to you. Damn, man. Thank you for thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. Yeah, man. It's you know, and uh, hopefully we'll have a better year. Sorry for your recent losses and uh you know, time does make it a little easier, buddy. Yeah. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you, man. All right, that was Thundercat. Fucking brilliant musician. And kind of a, you know, a, a, a um, he, what would you call him? He's a, he's, a, he's, got, he's a real nerd in a good way. Beautiful nerd man. Amazing bass player. The album is called uh, It Is What It Is. And, um, and the musicianship, musicianship and songwriting is great. Love that guy. Just remember, fascism is bad, and we're in fucking trouble. God bless America. Here's some guitar. Don't get the plague!
Boomer lives. <clears throat> Monkey and La Fonda and cat angels everywhere. And I fucked up right at the end there. I just fucked it up just right at the end there. But we're going to leave it 